0: good morning good afternoon good evening whenever you're listening to us and hi you're listening to us thanks for making the sports and the world podcast part of your day i'm the darius and i'm chris hope all of you are well and safe out there and how are you my friend
1: uh i am i'm definitely better than uh mike evans agent right now game and the agent happens to represent UFC fighters or professional wrestlers, then, then I might be in a good situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that was something. But yeah, speaking of fighting and combating, college football games kind of got the UFC kind of treatment over the weekend. And a couple of games, you know, a couple of marquee games, but all in all just felt like a teams just took care of business. But so we'll start there with college football and just get some of your thoughts on the week that was.
1: Ah, man, you know what? Um, This is one of those weeks there wasn't like a ton of great games, but there are definitely some decent ones. Uh, One of them being the Georgia South Carolina game, Uh, the massacre in Columbia, I guess is what we'll call it. Cause that one was, uh, if you were a, a Gamecocks fan, uh, you definitely had a hard time watching that. If you were a Georgia fan, you probably had a pretty good day. Um, uh, you know, the final score is 48-7. to seven. Um, You know, it was, it was 24-0 at halftime. They came out and put another 21 points on the board uh, in the third quarter, and then South Carolina finally decided to show up at the game late in the fourth. Um, you, you look at it. You know, Stetson Barrett won 16 for 23, 284 yards in the air, two touchdowns, most importantly, no interceptions. Uh, And then the backup Carson Beck came in uh, when, when Bennett got bored through five for six, 55 yards with another touchdown, Uh, you know, Bennett also ran three carries, 36 yards, one in for a touchdown. Uh, And he also led Georgia in rushing. (laughs) Uh, And then the leading receiver, of course, is Brock Bowers. Uh, I guess they just didn't bother covering him or didn't want to, or didn't know how to, or they're boycotting um, man on man defense Uh, because they let this kid get 121 yards on five receptions uh, with two touchdowns and three math wizards. That equivalents out to 24.2 yards per catch. Ouch. If you're South Carolina's defense. Um, You know, Georgia is definitely uh, steamrolling isn't even the word uh, for what they've done to teams thus far. Uh, Score-wise, I know you you had some stats you wanted to to pop up, so I'm not going to steal your sunshine on that. Uh, let you let you handle that part, but uh, that was a uh, that was a difficult game to watch if you were a uh, if if you were a South Carolina fan. Uh, you know it just shows the competition within the SEC. Uh, it's any, any given week something like this can happen. Uh, some other games that were uh, you know pleasantly entertaining to watch. One in particular was the uh, Miami Hurricanes and Texas A and M. Uh, you know that game. It was a low-scoring game. It was seventeen to nine. Was the finals for. Us, so Miami struggled to find the end zone. I guess they were too busy looking for their turnover chain or turnover rope or purse or whatever gimmick they got going on this season. Uh, but you know, I mean, the, the quarterback uh, for Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, he went out and tried. You know, he threw twenty-one for forty-one, two hundred seventeen yards. Uh, he did not put any of the end zone, but he also didn't turn any over. So that's a uh, that's a plus side. Uh, on the other side with Texas A&M Max Johnson threw 10 for 20 140 yards uh with a touchdown definitely a little bit more of a defensive strategy um you know hats off to A&M they definitely bounced back they've had some some uh interesting games this season uh you know they kept Miami out of the end zone and that is the key to winning football games if you don't let the other team score uh that's that's usually my uh, my key to success for anyone trying to to win in the sport um you know, and then you look at some of the other ones, uh, you know, Texas played uh, University, of San, University of Texas, San Antonio, you know, blew them out of the water. Uh, Arkansas and Missouri State, Arkansas was having a rough time on that one first half. So I'll see if Wu-Pig Sui can uh, can hold on to that. Um, Oklahoma State played Arkansas Pine Bluff, blew them out. Uh, Penn State, Auburn, you know, that, that was a pretty solid game. I think Auburn is having some rough days. Uh, Michigan played UConn, you know, 59-0, so I think that uh, kind of just – we'll just leave it there. Uh, you know, and then circling down, the you know, the game, of course, naturally we're going to talk about is uh, USF in Florida. Um, I, you know, I've already seen stuff online. The, the Fire Billy Napier bandwagon has already officially started uh, circling the, uh, the encampment. Um, you know, this is a game Florida did win. Uh, it was 31-28, but this wasn't a game that should have been won, uh, in the manner it was. It was, it was a rough game to watch if you were a Gators fan. Uh, you know, I was, I was actually watching this. I was flying back home Saturday night and, uh, the flight attendant asked me if I was okay because I probably looked like I was having a stroke sitting in my seat watching this game. Um, yeah, but you know what, the the issue is you look at the numbers, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Bohannon, he played a heck of a game, uh, you know, he threw for 116 yards, but he did throw uh, two interceptions, uh, he did put 102 yards on the ground, he's a very elusive quarterback, uh, if you remember, uh, this kid came from Baylor, took the and, and Ladarius, correct me if I'm wrong, he he took the Baylor into a, into a ball game last year and won against a pretty significant team, didn't he?
0: Uh, that's correct. Yes, he did.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then so Baylor, you know, gives him the "It's not you, it's me" breakup letter, and so he, uh, so he strolls his ass down to South Florida, and or, you know, it's, it's, I guess West Central Florida, what we'll call it, over over to Tampa, and uh, joins the uh, the Bulls and has himself quite the game. I definitely think he got his name out um, playing a stout defense like Florida, and and almost winning, um, there was a lot of issues with that game on both sides of the ball. South Florida had a very hard time uh, stopping Florida's front line, definitely had a hard time reading the uh, the backfield of corners and the safeties, uh, definitely some balls got hawked. Um, you know, they did figure it out on the ground because Brian Batty had 150 yards, uh, Jerry Bohannon had 102 yards. That's, you know, that's that's a lot of yards there on the ground that, that Florida ate. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, you look at his carries per game. Uh, again, he's less than fifty yards. Uh, you know he had seven carries for twenty four yards, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, and you look at his passing. He threw two interceptions. Uh, it was a very Seattle Seahawks type uh, interception there towards the end of the game where he was trying to throw a back shoulder pass, which he was struggling all week to or excuse me, all game to do. And the throws a pick and almost turns it into a pick six out of the end zone. Um, you know, almost to the other side for, for South Florida to put themselves in position to, uh, to do some damage. Thankfully the inevitable didn't come. Um, I, I, I don't know what, what Billy Napier's thought process is on this. I know I did read multiple articles that the uh, back and quarterback was out with the hand injury. And essentially we just have Anthony Richardson and he's afraid to overrun him cause some type of, of injury. And we, essentially don't have a quarterback to play, which that's not necessarily a healthy standard. So we definitely need to get that figured out. Uh, but, you know, on the ground, uh, definitely Montrell Johnson came out super, super strong this game. He was averaging 17 yards per carry, uh, 103, excuse me, 103 yards on six carries, one touchdown. Uh, Trevor NTN, you know, he, he showed out too. Yeah, eight carries 56 yards with the touchdowns. And then Naquan Wright had six carries for 37 yards uh, for a touchdown as well. Um, Justin Shorter was the lead receiver. Uh, unfortunately, it was uh, 33 yards. Uh, he was tied with Trent Whittemore, uh, for for another 33 yard catch, and that was actually the longest cat pass that Anthony Richardson completed was was 33 yards. Uh, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that there's some some regression, but if you remember the Anthony Richardson that played USF last year compared to this year, definitely two very different games uh, and the scores. Tell the story on that. Um, I, I don't know. I wish I had more of an answer for it. I have more questions than I have answers. Um, you know, this was a game that should have been a very easily and very winnable game. That turned into a very complex chess match towards the end of the game. That was a little too close to comfort for UF fans. Uh, I think that next week we're going to be playing in Tennessee. Uh, that's a rough stadium to play in. That's a rough relationship we have with uh, the with volunteers. So we already know that's not going to be a, a very pretty game to uh, uh, to be doing to begin with. So I think definitely defense needs to get themselves figured out and get the get a stop for the run game because this is the second game in a row where a a run heavy offense was able just to blow right through everything and put a lot of yards on the ground. Um, that needs to be addressed. The offense with Anthony Richardson, um, he has the talent, he has the physical capacity. Um, I I don't know what, what the disconnect is. Uh, You know, hopefully it's just something simple as that backup quarterback being injured and and Napier is looking long-term. But this, 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 you know, fire Napier bandwagon, uh, it's silly. I, you know, I don't care if you're a Florida fan, an FSU fan, a uh, Ohio state fan, and we all know how much I can't stand that team. Uh, When a new coach comes in, and you're three games into the season now. If you play three games into the season and you're getting blown out by sixty plus points, three games in a row, maybe we can ask that question. But when you're two and one, uh, and and all three games have been been decently solid games, I, I think you just need to pull your head out of your rectal cavity on that. Um, more to come. Like I said, you know, next week is definitely going to be a uh, uh, an event playing in Tennessee. Uh, that's really all I got, uh, Ladarius. I know you wanted to uh, jump in and cover a couple games that you wanted to speak on.
0: Yeah, um, you know, people. I'll I'll start with Florida, then I'll, I'll work my way back. You know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you when it comes to Billy Napier. I agree. Like we we gotta calm down, folks. It's it, it's not the end of the world. Let's calm down. First year coach. You know, ideally the offense. Definite issues to fix, and going into Neyland Stadium, you know, this coming up weekend, next weekend, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. But, you know, I, I want to circle back to a couple of games. I want to circle back to, to Penn State and Auburn. Now we, I'll just say one of us on the show has has beef on in the streets with with the Big Ten. I'm not gonna say which one of us is that person. What I will say is that it's not me. Now, but when I look at Penn State, you know, under James Franklin, this was their 11th game under him, where they've thrown for less than 200 yards, but more than 200 yards on the ground. And they're 10-1 and in those games. And I bring up those stats, Chris, because I always feel the importance to understand the identity of your offense. This is where we'll, we'll We'll kind of get to that when we get to the Cowboys, because I've said on this show many times where certain teams benefit better when you run more, pass less. And I understand certain game situations, that changes. But sometimes defenses will try to force you to the opposite way. But as an offense, if you stick to what you do, you'll come out on top. And Penn State has done that. You know They did that in this game in overwhelming fashion. And also, this is their seventh game over 40 points on the road under James Franklin. And then for Brian Horst and Auburn, it's their second game under 20 points. You know, they scored 20 points at home. And it's interesting, Chris, that you kind of alluded to what's going on in Auburn. It kind of feels that maybe this it wasn't Gus Malzon's fault of what's going on in Auburn. I think it's more of an indictment of the recruiting. And maybe that's on Malzon, but maybe – Firing Malzahn wasn't the answer, and I and I really like Gus Malzahn. He's really doing a great job turning around with UCI. Now, transition to another game: Georgia and South Carolina. The game was essentially over by the half. You know, you know, my Chris here kind of described it perfectly uh, of what had happened. It, it it felt to 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 bring wrestling to bring my love of wrestling into this. This felt like a squash match; it really did.
1: It you was. Know, a-
0: it. <laughs> it's and that's exactly. It felt like you blink and it was over, and that's essentially what happened from the from the opening whistle to the final whistle. But like with Georgia, Chris, here's a, here's the stat, Chris, and you know I love numbers and stuff. Now, since 2016, when Kirby Smart took over, how many games? Has the Georgia defense allowed less than seven points? And I'll give you a margin of error of five.
1: Less than seven points, and he took over. Uh, in, in 2016. Uh, so let's see here. So you've got minimum 12 games a season. So you've got 12 times 6. That's 80. Hold on. I'm doing some quick math here, folks. That he's had less than seven points scored. I'm going to say 13 games.
0: 13. If you take the number that you had, Chris, and you multiplied it by two, you would have been correct. Jesus Christ. 26 games where the defense has allowed less than seven points since 2016. That's tied for the second most such games. We all know who number one is that that school in Tuscaloosa with some guy named Saban was 29 year. such games and off, and tied with Clemson in that same stretch. And you talked about Broad Bowers, five receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns, his fourth game with a hundred reception, with a hundred yards receiving and two touchdowns in a game. Nice. Like here, here's the thing, here's the thing, Chris. You know. The, the word rebuild is not in the lexicon as certain programs, and Georgia's one of them. All that NFL talent that went in the draft kind of, you know, like, oh, well, Georgia's going to have a down, a down year. No. They're doing a great job. And what's worse is, is that, Chris, you look at their schedule, it's a pretty favorable schedule. If you look at Georgia's schedule – Literally, they don't play. They don't play Alabama. I believe they don't play Ole Miss. It's an easy path to the SEC championship
1: game there. Yeah, and- no, they do. I mean, uh, you know, they've got uh, Mizzou, Auburn, Vandy, us, Yeah, you know, meaning the University of Florida, Tennessee, uh, and Kentucky. And, of course, they, you know, they wrap up uh, with Georgia Tech as a rivalry game. Uh Thanksgiving weekend. But yeah, I mean, essentially, they have two definitely solidified games one with Kentucky and one with us. You know, the thing with the Florida Georgia game is no matter how great one team is over the other, Mm -hmm. because of that rivalry, you and that, whether it's Florida, Florida State, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, uh, you know, Florida State, Clemson, you know, you name it, you throw that 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 matchup out there, one team could definitely have the favorability, and the other team could walk in and just mentally cripple the, the, the team that they're supposed to win. If you remember a couple of years ago, uh, Georgia was slated to beat Florida by, by double digits, mm-hmm. and it was actually the exact opposite. We just came in and kicked Georgia north to south, south to north, east to west, and all directions in between without remorse without an ounce of remorse um, so that game can go either way and as much as I hate saying it uh, you know Kentucky is not the Kentucky of, of ten years ago that was the laughing stock of college football they have definitely built themselves a, a program that deserves some recognition uh, you know even and depending on how Tennessee plays Tennessee can do two things they can change the uh, change the direction. Or they can keep on tennessee and then when it matters they lose um so you know it uh you know more to come on that but yeah i mean they definitely have a very favorable schedule to put themselves in a position where if they play their cards right they they keep scoring high they keep defenses low or you know opposing teams low and uh and and they win when it matters there's a definitely a a very broad possibility of them making it back into the, the the playoffs and then i guess the question at that point is a can they win the sec championship again of course more than likely they will be playing alabama out of the west and then b if they beat alabama can they get into the playoffs and and go back to back and be yet another sec team that has back-to-back titles and yet again another sec team that has multiple national titles unlike certain conferences Come cough, <laughs> Big ten cough
0: <sighs> always know how to end this segment on a high same note. Same <laughs> facts, baby, same facts. And, and to your point, you know, and then before we, before we transition to something else to talk about before we get to the NFL, but I want to mention one quick, quick uh, uh, college football thing. I noticed something very interesting as the nerd that I am. Now, Chris, I'm going to give you five schools. Okay. And I want you to tell me, how many losses that they have all together? Okay? okay So well, Kentucky's obvious. You've got UCLA, Indiana, UNC and Kansas. So those five schools, between them, how many
1: losses? Between those schools, how many losses? I'm going to go ahead and say a big old fat zero.
0: And to to the people in the back, we'll we'll send Chris his gift because he is correct. Everybody's out to a 3-0 start. Kentucky, UCLA for Indiana, this is their 11th 3-0 start since over the last half century. That's the 11th time they started out 3-0. UNC had to go back to 2011. And Kansas, go back two years before that. 2009 it's not March Madness it's not it's not March Madness it's 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 football and it's amazing what happens like especially with Kentucky like we all talked about John Calipari we gotta start talking about more about Mark Stoops and the job he's done to make a football a basketball program a football school because it's tough to do and with these schools like these schools is very tough to do, and people understand it's a tough job. A school renowned for one sport to come in and have dominance in the other, and so they've done that. Speaking of dominance, I know you're loving the transitions. I, I work on it
1: twenty minutes a day.
0: <laughs> Speaking of dominance, let's talk a little baseball. Obviously, I don't talk about it because my Cubs. We I, there's nothing. There's nothing to talk about. And God bless them. I've been a fan of them over 20 years. Now, if this was back in 2016, you couldn't shut me up about them. But this is 2022, and I'm back in reality. Back to life, back to reality. A A little 90s song thing for you. Now, Chris, I want to talk about Aaron
1: Judge. Man, me too, boy.
0: And what I will say is this, Chris. All I'm going to say... Is when you watch him, you got to be expecting the ball to go over the field, out of the ballpark, anytime he steps into the plate. But you're the you're the Yankee fan on this show, so give me your thoughts on Aaron Judge, the Yankees, and all and anything else baseball. Go for it. You know, uh,
1: th- this is this is the crunch time uh, in baseball right now. You've got yeah, roughly. T- Fifteen days, maybe left of the uh, the regular season mm-hmm. games before we start for the hunt of uh, of October into the playoffs. And number one is th- there's some outright magic happening right now. So in in the year 2022, in a heavily monitored Major League Baseball, we're seeing the resurgence of a powerful home run hitter. We're seeing a guy right now that has the capacity by leaps and bounds to win the triple crown. So you've got Aaron Judge right now. As of yesterday, he hit home run number 60. So he is officially tied. The great Bambino, Babe Ruth, he is one behind Roger Maris. He is nine behind Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And I don't know if I want to bring Barry Bonds into this conversation because that one's actually a pretty touchy subject for me. So we'll, we just won't bring that up, or maybe I'll circle back to it. But you got Aaron Judge right now, who is hitting at a 316 batting average, first in the AL, sixty home runs, first in the AL, and 120 i uh, excuse me 128 ribbies, RBIs, first in the AL. He's gonna be a he's he's gonna be a triple crown player this season. Um, there's a very very good chance that at the pace he's at right now, that he could. He could possibly win, uh, and he can exceed the, uh, the home run record. You know, I, I, I definitely think that there is, there is some potential. When you start looking at their schedule, uh, you know, they've got a game against the Pirates tonight at home. You've got a three-game series uh, against the Sox at home. Uh, excuse me, a four-game series against the Sox. And then we go to Toronto for three games, then we come back to the Yankee Stadium. Uh, for three games against the Orioles. And then we finish out the regular season on October 5th with a four-game away game uh, at, uh, in Arlington against the Rangers. So here's the thing. Camden Yards has a short porch. Yankee Stadium has a short porch. Uh, Fenway Park has an incredibly short porch right here. Uh, you know, you have so much opportunity that he could easily exceed and, and possibly set a new home run record and most importantly to do it right. No steroids, no nothing, no 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 shenanigans, just straight up in your face, hard playing baseball. So now this is gonna be the most and now so in the in the keep circling in baseball, you know, while we're talking about it real quick, you gotta look at standings right now. So the Yankees are are five and a half games up on the Jays right now. And unless some type of complete implosion happens. Uh, the Yankees are going to secure themselves a playoff spot and then head into uh, head into the AL playoff series. More than likely, they're going to be looking at uh, the Guardians, the Astros, and uh, more than likely, I think the, the Jays will probably end up getting the, uh, the wild card spot. Um, naturally, the Indians, they have this thing with the Twins that as soon as they make the playoffs, they just forget how to play baseball. Completely just – fall apart and then they'll 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 just go to sleep um then you start looking at the National League and so you've got the Mets that have already secured their playoff spot the Braves who have already secured their wild card spot and then you have the Dodgers of course who have already clinched the division uh with 103 wins I mean so they're the first team to go over 100 wins this season. Uh, and then, you know, Central, you've got uh, the Cardinals who could very potentially stay in. Uh, they're eight and a half games ahead of the Brewers right now. So, but again, there's still a little bit of baseball left to be played, so we'll see. So we're going to have a very interesting uh, uh, breakdown of teams going into the playoffs. And most importantly, uh, we, you might see old your old bro- co-broadcaster here, Ladarius, maybe doing a live broadcast from the World Series because... I promise you, if it turns into a Yankees-Mets World Series, you will, you 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 will see me on camera somehow, some way there, man. Um, but it, you know, it's just, it, it's just, it, it's so great because you got football coming out, college football and full swing, and baseball coming to a close. You got teams that are they're playing for their life right now, and then on top of all that, we have history possibly being made with Aaron Judge right now. So hats off to him. Uh, I hope that Aaron Boone can can keep that kid mentally prepared and steer him into a right direction, keep him focused, and break that record. Get the Yankees into, into the playoff, maybe get that number twenty eight World Series, and uh, and then in the offseason, make sure we sign and secure him. Uh, that that kid is an absolute asset to the organization. Um, and it's just yeah, like I said, I, I we I know we don't cover a lot of baseball because it's normally football and college football, but. It's something that's important I figured we should uh, have a, a
0: brief conversation on it. Yeah, it's it's a great conversation, and, and I'll ask I'll ask you a question because you're you're the Yankee fan, and I in my head I've kind of played this out. But if you're if you're the Yankees front office, you're Brian Cashman. What's or better if you're Aaron Judge and his agent. What's the market value?
1: <laughs> if, guys, the, if, if guys, if guys were to can get three and four hundred million dollars, uh, you know, at least that. I mean, Aaron Judge could easily be the Derek Jeter of this Yankee squadron. So it, you know, Derek Jeter also wasn't one of the higher paid athletes. If, if you look at his salary versus uh, A Rod. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, some he, of the staff.
0: Yeah, he was. He, he wasn't really. Yeah, to to your point, he was probably in some Doesn't cases. Be- yeah, he 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 wasn't a he he wasn't big on sales. He made money elsewhere. I, I kind of call it the Tom Brady effect.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly what I was about to say is that he pulled the Tom Brady and would rather have his pay go to surrounding assets, uh, pitching staff, uh, extra batters, base players, fielders. To, to ensure that the Yankees could go long term into the playoffs and not uh, and not choke out going you know going outwards. Um, you know so I don't I, I don't know if Aaron judge will do that, but it, at this point if, if you are Brian Cashman, whatever that kid wants you give it to him. He, he has put 160 uh, uh, what, what did I say there 100, 128 points on the board 60 home runs he's batting a, a plus 300. To, to be number one to be a power hitter and hit plus 300
0: is iss yeah, yeah it's i mean to cut you off but it's it's absolutely ridiculous and yeah. it, it, it's it's either it's either you're a 300 plus hitter or you're a power hitter and you're hitting 50 60 uh, home runs yeah. To have both It's so same it, it, it's special yeah. and it, it's special and I mean to, but what I will say is this before we transition. When I watch Aaron Judge and I look at the money that Mike Trout got, I look at the money Bryce Harper got. I look at the money Juan Soto got. And, Chris, to me, baseball and big contracts to me are, to me, of, of the of the major of football, of the NFL, NBA, and baseball, it, the MLB is the one sport where it's I'm I'm not going to say the word hesitant about giving long-term deals, but what I will say is that I would be very cautious. But because you have to factor in the age and the productivity with any contract, anything like a ten-year, it's about the productivity. But when I look at Aaron Judge now, is is he going to keep having years where he passed plus three hundred? And say maybe not. If he does, then just put him in the Hall of Fame five years into his contract to his new deal or whatever. But what I will say is this, Chris, if I'm Brian Cashman,
1: you give him all he wants.
0: I think if, if he asks for Juan Soto esque money, and, and plus even more than that, it's very hard for you to say no, because imagine Chris, imagine this. Imagine Aaron Judge, and I know this is going to be hard, so I want you to, to, to envision. Imagine Aaron Judge in another uniform in 2023.
1: I'd cry. I would, I would cry. You know, so, so here's the thing. So, you know, you talk about longevity. So Aaron Judge at that unique age, so if you look at other sports, basketball uh, and football, as, the, as mm-hmm. the other major American professional sports, Football has the lowest long-term uh, professional athlete, you know, uh, signage. You get guys that come into the NFL uh, that come in and leave within a couple of years. Some guys make the NFL and they're out in two years, uh, you know. And, but you, you have these guys that can play for ten plus years, fifteen plus years, twenty plus years. You know, you, uh, Tom Brady, besides besides a kicker. You know, you look at the NBA. Um, you have teams that, or you get players that did do the long terms, the Vince Carter's, uh, currently LeBron James, uh, the Larry Bird's, and those types that you you can get a, a, a good decade of play out of them. And then let's take a look at baseball, where you have guys that are playing for ten plus years without issue. Now, a lot of people argue that baseball isn't a physical as a physical sport as basketball or football and I will agree to that. baseball players are not running full speed 60 minutes a game. Um, they're not hitting each other on purpose for the most part. Uh, you know they're not sprinting up and down a basketball court for for 48 minutes a game. So you know what but honestly, I promise you I I'm not saying that I could survive in the NBA. But I have a much better chance of picking up a basketball and uh, dropping a three on, a, on an NBA regulation science court than I do from having uh, a a great closer, whether it be a Mariano Rivera or or anybody of these guys, to throw a 97-mile-an-hour cutter at me and expect to hit it and win a game. Um, I, you know, I, I can't kick a field goal. I could probably drain a 15, 20-yarder. Again, I don't know if I'm gonna hit a baseball coming at me at 102 miles an hour. So I, I still think that the, the harder skill set is to take pick up a bat and swing at an object that's moving through the air at 90 plus miles an hour, that's also changing direction on you. Mm-hmm. That's that, I'm sorry, but that's a skill. But also if you look at Aaron Judge, let's let's look at his, his personal statistics real quick. So Aaron Judge is thirty years old. Okay. As of as of uh, September twentieth. His lifetime batting average is 284, which most players don't see 284 in a a season, let alone their career. Uh, He has 218 home runs. 60 of those are just in the season. So do the math on that. And then his RBI's career is 494. And he's been on the Yankees since 2016. Those are some serious numbers for a young man. Also, let's look at his accolades and awards. He's a four time All Star. first all MLB team, AL Rookie of the Year in 2017, a two-time Silver Slugger Award, uh, a Wilson Defensive Player of the Year Award, the Fielding Bible Award, and uh, he led the AL in home runs in his rookie year in 2017. He was signed by the Yankees in 16 and played in the farm organization and then came out right out of the gate and, and led in his rookie year in home runs, and now he's doing it, you know, a few years later. You know, you start looking at these stats at this point. I don't care what this kid's price tag is. Give it to him. Give it to him. Or or Cashman needs to get his ass out of the office. Those are the only two options that you have at the end of the day. Um, this kid is this is one of those guys that's a once-in-a-lifetime type player. You had this with Suzuki Ichiro, which is how great of a hitter he was. Again, he didn't hit for contact, but he had one of the, the, the most fluid swings, or Ken Griffey Jr. You know, you have these players that, that are, if you have an opportunity to keep them, do yourself a favor and just be like Nike. Just do it. Yankees, Brian Cashman, from my lonely little voice, sign him. If you don't, you are screwing your organization, you are screwing yourself, and that kid is going to go somewhere else and play just as well in, in another uniform.
0: And and to your point, and we'll just see. We'll see how that plays out. I'll be interested to see how that works out. Now, speaking of things working out, go to the NFL. And for some teams, things worked out a little bit more unexpected than others. You know, and in some cases, listen, we got ourselves a free WWE match as well down in the the Crescent City. So if, if you like that sort of thing, which I'm sure some of you do. So... With that being said, uh, Chris, let's just jump in. Get your thoughts on Week Three of the National Football League season.
1: Man, uh, so so week so Week Two was it was an adventure. There was definitely some games that that made you stand up and look, and then there are some other games that uh, you're like, "Wow, that was that was expected." Um, so, we'll, you know, so we'll, we'll start out with, uh, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, uh, since we brought up the WWE match there, um, number one, Tom Brady went out there and just did Tom Brady things at the end of the day, you know, uh, it was a very defensive game until Brady just said, you know what, I need to break this iPad, get it over with, and then go out there and break this team's spirit. Um, and that's exactly what he did at the end of the day. You know, it's just Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. He, he, th- he only threw for once, you know, uh, 190 yards. He did throw a touchdown. Leonard Fournette had 65 yards on the ground. Most importantly, it was just, it was the turnovers on defense. Jameis Winston went out and did Jameis Winston things. Uh, and you, you look at, you know, he, he threw three interceptions. Jamal Dean picked two off and then uh, Mike Edwards picked one off. And, you know, it's so funny is that, you know, they interviewed Devin White I think it was, uh, it was either Devin White or uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. that they interviewed. And, and they flat out say, he's like, look, you know, uh, this, he used to be our teammate. We knew he'd cough the ball up. It, it, it wasn't a matter of if it was just a one And I was like, hey, if that's not the, the level of, of disrespect, you know, straight to jail on that, man. Um, you know, and then – one of the things that game is, you know, we, we talk about it again. That's why we call it sports and the world is we're going to talk about the world for a second while talking about this game. And for those TV buffs out there in Ladarius, you know, you're definitely one of them watching Mike Evans and, and Lattimore go out there on the field. It's very reminiscent to a uh, family guy with Peter and the chicken. Those two dudes just – they just don't – Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans just don't like each other. It is a fight on site. I don't care what time of day it is, where they're playing, what's going on in the world. That is a straight-up fight on site. And, you know, you see Lattimore got a little, little testy with uh, with Tom Brady – and you just see Mike Evans come off the off the top rope like like I mean just made a WWE entrance, came in and just train wrecked Lattimore, and then he picked up Marcus May and threw him like a little child too. He just he just threw him like a little boy, just getting thrown across the uh, a school playground, and uh, so it results you know they both got their their time out, their one game suspension, you know. You never want to see like the often because it does set a bad example for the for the youth that is just now learning the game and they're sitting at home and they're watching it with uh, with their parents or dad or whoever, you know, and that's not an example you want to set as a professional athlete. Like you want to keep it cool out there because children do look up to you. And they will mimic those things. So I'm sure there is probably some defensive player that's going to absolutely get get tossed around this week at some some varsity football game around the country. But uh, you know, it uh, uh, it was just it was a fun game to watch all all around. You know, and I'm I'm just I'm just happy to see that uh, that Tampa Bay walked out on that one. Jameis Winston did Jameis Winston things, and uh, all all is all is well. Another quick one I want to talk on is the outright domination that the Jacksonville Jaguars have against the Indianapolis Colts. And, uh, and Ladarius, I know this one on you, just because there is that, that Matty Ice love or maybe there's some type of Matty Ice uh, uh, hatred or, or regression. I don't know what's going on there in, in Indianapolis, but Jacksonville, Duval has – the number of, of Indy. This is the second year in a row that they've just dismantled Indy. Um, you know, Matt Ryan threw three interceptions. I don't even think – I don't know if he's put a touchdown in the end zone yet. I know he's definitely do, done a lot uh, of, of pick throwing. Uh, JT Jonathan Taylor was held to 54 yards. I can't even tell you the last time that those words came out of my mouth about JT. Uh, I know there's a lot of upset fantasy owners uh, that – that were, were, were pretty pissy about that game. Um, but you know, you look at Trevor Lawrence, he 25 for 30, 235 yards, two touchdowns. And then he also has, uh, three, three carries for 11 yards. James Robinson came out 64 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, Christian Kirk got two touchdowns in the air. He's definitely taken by storm in Jacksonville. I think that was an awesome acquisition. Uh, by by Jacksonville right there, um, just outright just well played game. Both sides of the ball for Jacksonville. I'm happy to see that uh, probably the most important game of the week. And it really wasn't. But it was to me because so I'm, I'm sitting out Sunday. Uh, me and the little lady are at a, at a local sports bar and you got all the jerseys. So you've got the the pack of Steelers fans, the pack of Dolphins fans and the pack of Bucks fans and the pack of uh, uh You know, Patriots fans, unfortunately. And here's lonely little old Chris in his his gotham black Zach Wilson New York Jets jersey, watching the only TV that the Jets were on, screaming like a little five-year-old that got a Super Nintendo for Christmas 25 years ago. Uh, You know, uh, Flacco showed that he had a little bit left in him. You know, Flacco threw 307 yards and four touchdowns. We used to talk about those numbers with Joe Flacco when he was winning Super Bowls in Baltimore, not as, a, not as a New York Jet or really not anywhere else. So the fact that he was able to do that, he did an amazing job. Brees Hall led the charge on the ground, seven carries for 50 yards. And most importantly, Garrett Wilson, shout-out to this kid, this rookie, eight receptions, 102 yards. That equivalents out to an average catch of 12.8 yards and two touchdowns. Corey Davis is in a strong second place with 83 yards reception. Off of two receptions, which for you math was a 41 and a half yards per uh per catch. And he also put himself in the end zone, and then Brees Hall got a 10-yard dump off for a touchdown as well. That that secured the game. Uh shout out to the Jets for actually doing something right. Cleveland, well, they just went ahead and Cleveland themselves, and just like they always do. And I'm not shocked on that. I'm happy to see the Jets win it, though. I, mean, I know most people don't care, but I at least wanted to touch on that. Um, definitely the game, I, uh, a couple of them that, that, I'll, that I'll talk and, then I'll, and I'll pitch it over to you, LaVarious. Uh, the shock in Kansas City. So I was actually in Kansas City uh, for Thursday Night Football. Unfortunately, I could not get myself tickets, so I was very sad about that. But uh, definitely the look on some Kansas City Chiefs fans the following day were kind of funny. They almost dropped the ball uh, with the Chargers. Justin Herbert, uh, more to come on that. We're going to see how that plays itself out. But the Chargers definitely gave the Chiefs uh, a run for their money. Patrick Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does, and he put the game on the shoulders and and carried it right in there. So hats off to them. Uh, The Bills outright massacred uh, Tennessee on on Monday night, that that was it was one of those things. That, uh, you know, we'll we'll just use the UFC as the uh, as a punching bag, I guess. It was like a fight where the referee should have just stopped it, but the, and the other guy is just getting continuously punched in the face, and he's not even guarding himself. I mean, what a poor display of of play by Tennessee. You know, Ryan Tannehill threw two interceptions and did absolutely terrible. Derrick Henry didn't even break 30 yards rushing. He averaged 13 carries for 25 yards. It's 1.9 yards per carry, and he got one touchdown. Uh, the Bills, in the other hand, well, Josh Allen threw four touchdowns and 317 yards. They didn't do a lot on the ground, but when you have airmail delivery of Josh Allen capability, you're going to do it. Stephon Diggs, 12 receptions, 148 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, you couldn't ask for a more flawless play. So that's two weeks in a row that Buffalo has just came out, and we'll even call it Mortal Kombat, just a flawless victory. I mean, that was a straight-up fatality of, of what happened there. Uh, Kirk Cousins went ahead, and Kirk Cousins himself uh, playing, playing primetime. If he is playing Sunday night or he is playing Monday night, Minnesota just prepared to catch the L. It is his kryptonite. He... He just cannot do well. I mean, Philly came out prepared. Um, so, ha- I mean, for, I'm not discrediting the Eagles at all. Um, you know, they, they came out and they did business. Jalen Hurts threw for 333 yards, threw for a touchdown. Uh, he also ran two in by himself. Um, and then, you know, and then Quez Wilk- Watkins was the, uh, the lone receiver for the touchdown. You know, on the other side of the ball, Kirk Cousins coughed up three interceptions. You know, this is a a thing that I touch on every single time is you throw picks, you throw interceptions, you are going to lose games. Uh, And for God's sake, Kirk Cousins, learn to play under the lights, dude. Like real talk right now, please, for the love of everything good and holy and cheesy, just stop sucking, man. Like you do so – you came out and straight blew Green Bay away – like it was, it was a it was a scary game to watch because you just straight train wreck Green Bay, and then and then you you play the Eagles and and this like Kirk Cousins, come on man, stop spending your coles bucks and, and and learn to win on a on a, on a prime time game, dude. Uh, that was just that was, uh I, I don't even know what to say on that. Uh, the other game I wanted to touch on was the just the complete discombobulation. Of the Cardinals and Raiders game, and Ladarius, feel free to jump in anytime you want. The Raiders had this game. Yeah. Arizona, yeah. Arizona did. Yeah. Sir, here is the game. Can you please take it and win? And and Las Vegas said, "I don't think I will." Just like Captain America, I don't think I will. And then it was it, like a complete meltdown at the end.
0: Yeah, it was. And you know, if you don't mind, if I interject. I'm just going to throw a couple of stats at you about the game. Now, the Raiders blew a 20-point lead. Chris, that's the biggest, and this is counting their time when they were in Oakland, going back to the time when they were in Los Angeles. Chris, it's the big. it was the biggest blown lead in franchise history. Think about that. In all the years of the Raiders, that they were terrible this was the worst performance they blew a 20 point lead and for the cardinals chris they scored 22 points in the fourth quarter and overtime combined and mind you in the third quarter at the point they were, the raiders were up 23 to 7 and everybody was popping bottles and everybody it got real quiet after that fumble and and then the game was over that, that game was a, a complete cluster. And and what I will say, I'll hand the mic back to you. What I will say is this In the division that you're in, in some divisions, you can get away with being to a slow start. But when you're in the same division as the Chiefs and the Chargers, yeah, close game there, it goes to show you, like, Chris, the Reds are at the bottom of the division. and And all I was told, was that this was a Super Bowl team that's what I was told that would that was in my, it was in the team meeting that's that's what I was told yeah that,
1: yeah.
0: that we're going we're, you know you know just win baby and yeah it, it was a hard game to not only watch but it was probably even worse to be in person as a Raiders fan to watch that game it
1: was, it was disgusting yeah disgusting. It, you know I I don't, I don't know what's going on there with, with Hunter Renfro, but the two passes in a row he coughs up. and I mean, he costed uh, Vegas the game, hands down. Vegas lost that game for two reasons. A, they blew a 20-point lead, and B, uh, they disallowed Kyler Murray. You know, and it was so funny. Kyler Murray, when he's back there scrambling with the ball, he looks like a little toddler that grabbed his parents' phone and is just trying to run for his life. Yeah, <laughs> <He, laughs> it, it's, it's know, insane. It's a,
0: how much time he
1: had. I mean, Chris,
0: I think my guy ran all the way back to the twenty yard line.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and still and still did business, man. You know, uh, like I said, you blew a twenty point lead, and then Hunter Renfro coughing up two two interceptions or a fumbles back to back. You can't be doing that. Come on, man. You can't be doing that. Uh, the only other thing, you know, and again, hats off. You know, Cardinals came in. They played away in one of the most aggressive uh, fan bases in Las Vegas. They came. They saw Concord. So, Hats off to, to Kyler Murray and, and the Arizona program. Keep it up. You know, it makes things interesting. The only, the only other thing I wanted to touch on is a 49ers and Seahawks game. And it's not even about the game. It's about the look that Jimmy Garoppolo had on his face. When Trey Lance is carted off that field, uh, you know, Trey Lance has a, a season-ending ankle injury, and good lord, uh, the look on Jimmy G's face was excited. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, if if, if you get on social media, I mean, they had so much fun with it. Uh, if, if you're on Instagram, follow Ghetto Bronk. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, that page is ruthless, it, it is it is my type of humor. If you're soft-skinned or, or PC or just a sissy, don't do it. If you actually have fun in life, go ahead and do yourself. Follow that page. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out to them. But the, the meme quality that they had going on there was just outright priceless. And let me tell you, uh, Jimmy G honestly looked excited. I'm not trying to call Dan man out, but that smile that he had on his face when he was getting ready to, to go out there and take the, take the helm as a starter, yikes. Uh, that was, that was kind of funny. Not even gonna lie. But uh, hats off to the 49ers for still coming up, coming up and getting and get the W. Uh, last but not least is uh, the Bengals and the Cowboys. Again, this was a game the Bengals had every opportunity to win, and they just they just didn't have – you know, Joe Burrow for once, I mean, I don't know what's going on there, but he at least he didn't throw any interceptions this game. But the player to talk about right now is Cooper Rush. Uh, Cooper Rush it came out through for 235 yards, through a touchdown. Uh, you know, this kid came out of Central Michigan University uh his second start I think and he comes out and, and catches the dub uh when when the when the starter goes down. I I don't know what to call this. I don't know. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh this is the new Tom Brady and da da. I'm not gonna go that far, but he was an undrafted free agent that Dallas signed in 2017. And he came out, he saw and he conquered. Like, you know that's that's Really, all I can say about that, he he played a great game. Uh, he kept himself in a in a positive position. He he didn't throw interceptions. He didn't turn the ball over. He made smart decisions. Uh, and th- and th- that's the keys to success is being a quarterback. It's cool to be physical and be able to run fast and throw hard. You got to be able to manage a game. And from what I saw right there, Cooper Rush managed that game. So hats off to him. Shout out to him. Uh, unfortunately, we had to hear you know we the boys and we're going to win a Super Bowl, but you know. At least Cooper Rush had a good game. That's 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 something I'm
0: happy to see. Yeah, you, you you love to see it. You love to see it, even if it's for one week. You, you you love to see it. But I just have a couple of things before we transition to to fantasy. I want to go back. I want to talk about your Jets, thirty-one thirty. Oh boy! I want to run down, and you mentioned it. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, Joe Flacco, three hundred seven yards passing and four touchdowns. Now, Chris, you're the Jets guy, and you know I love trivia, Chris. You you know this. People, anybody who knows me knows that. How do I know that? Is that when Alex Rebeck died, people asked me, was I okay? That, that's how much I love trivia. I'm like, I'm fine, guys. I really wasn't. But here's your question, Chris. Now, who was the last Jets quarterback with 300 or more passing yards and four touchdowns in a game? A lot of quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm either going to go, God, I hope I don't have to go as far back as Joe Namath.
0: (laughs) No, you don't go back that far. Uh, It doesn't doesn't predate Netflix, so no. Uh,
1: I'm going to go either Chad Pennington or or Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: We're we're locking it
1: in? Yeah. Locking it in? Locking it in.
0: Well, the only name on the list that you were close on was Fitzpatrick, but the answer, Vinny Testaverde.
1: Jesus, God Almighty!
0: <laughs> and that was versus the Dolphins back in two thousand.
1: <sighs> that was the
0: last Jets quarterback, Three yards, four touchdowns in a game, and and Garrett Wilson, who went to your favorite school. And I don't even start it. I, I, I see. Him.
1: I see your little your little asinine comment there in the uh
0: the yeah game. yeah yeah what people don't know is that we share comments during the show and I couldn't I I was I was gonna keep it but I was like no I I, I that's not in my uh, DNA Garrett Wilson eight receptions, 102 yards two touchdowns and I <laughs> you know and then here's the thing Chris the Jets were down 30 17 with a minute 55 left in that game yeah <laughs>
1: Probably one of the perfect onside kicks I think I've ever seen, yeah. And, and, the NFL.
0: and this is what I love about NFL Red Zone. When I saw it, I was like, there's no way because the percentage of onside kick is not even it's less than 20%. It's 20% in some cases, more than. And when I saw it and I said, oh dear, they could do this, and they did, and we all know what happened. But like I said, the only bright spot for. The Browns had seen was Nick Chubb three rushing touchdowns, thirty nine rushing touchdowns since twenty eighteen is tied for the second most with Derrick Henry, and then he's tied with Alvin Kamara since twenty eighteen. Now, as in the Chris Berman, you know, two minute drill. Let's go to let's go to Baltimore, Chris. This this game was even was even more interesting. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I figured I'd let you. Uh, uh... So, Cover that one. I figured you'd
0: have some fun with it. So, so Chris, they were down 35 14 entering the fourth quarter. And it was the second biggest comeback in Dolphins franchise history. For the Ravens, they blew the, a 21 point lead, as I just mentioned. That's tied for the biggest blown lead in franchise history. Now, with Tua, 460 yards passing and six touchdowns. Now, only Tua and some guy named uh, what's his name ah yeah Dan Marino, Yikes. only two quarterbacks in franchise history they have six touchdowns in a game. <sighs> that game was hard to watch. And, and 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 I'll and I'll end the note on this if we transition, is that there are a couple of two and oh and two teams, and Chris, if you ask me, which ones I'm more concerned about, I'll tell I'll I'll tell you which ones I'm not concerned about. I'll go with my Falcons. I'm not concerned because you know why? I, you, 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 it doesn't bother because we're, there's no expectations for us. It doesn't bother me there. If you're the Colts, it looks bad. It's super bad. Not yeah. the movie super bad. It's just super bad.
1: It's such a good movie. It's
0: an amazing movie. They Loving Great stuff. The only, the only concern with the Colts is, is, listen, they need receivers. Matt Ryan looks bad out there. And I love Matty Ice. Best quarterback, best quarterback in our franchise history. It's hard, And then Jonathan Taylor, yikes. If you're Frank Wright, you, you got to figure out to get the ball in his hands, whether it's through the passing game, if you can't run it. Get him out in the flat. You got to do something there. But to me, Chris, the biggest concern is the Tennessee Titans because, Chris, I always believe in any great empire, forgot my history, there's always a where you can pinpoint the downfall. For the Tennessee Titans, the, the 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 downfall was that it was that game versus the Bengals in the playoffs last year. When when Tenhill threw that interception, that's when the decline happened. Because here's the thing, Chris. Teams have figured out that the Titans are one dimensional. And and if you think about it, Chris, they kind of backed their way into that number one seed last year. Because certain teams couldn't close the deal and they kind of they were there at the right time. The schedule worked out in their favor. But it's amazing to me, Chris, and they're they're they on Twitter. They were they were calling for Malik Willis. And what I will say is this, Chris. And it's the same thing I said when, when we evaluated quarterbacks in the draft. To me, Malik Willis stuck out, and I felt that if he gets in the league, he's a franchise guy. Now, I'm not saying he's gonna replace Tannehill now. Well, maybe how this season goes, we don't know. But if you're Mike Vrabel, you're 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 lucky you're in the AFC South, and you're in the your position you are. Because I'll tell you what, Chris, if you were like if you were the Raiders, you'd be in worse trouble. Because the Raiders are in worst row because a, they have a divisional loss. Remember, they lost to the Chiefs in Week One. and excuse me to the Chargers in Week One, and then you 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 pull out, you blow a lead, preferably in the ninth inning, versus the Cardinals. You blow you blow the equivalent of a, of a five run lead in the ninth, and, but if you're if you're the Titans, I'd be concerned because teams are figured out, and I like Derrick Henry but
1: want you cuz he's on my fantasy team of golly man
0: it's 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 like that but but so to recap colts they're in the right division to kind of turn around but if you're a raiders fan it's 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 hard it's you you, you I, and if you're a tennis, like it's just hard all the way around it would have, the Jaguars on top of the AFC South. That That's that's words that people didn't expect this season, but here we are. But speaking of things coming out of the way, let's wrap up the show with some fantasy. And you alluded to it, Chris, and I think it's a concern with some of the running backs, Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, with fantasy value. Because if you have those guys... It's it's looking rough in some cases unless you have a stout a stout workaround, uh, a stout roster to support those guys. But Chris, give us your starting system for week for week number three.
1: Yeah, so week three here we are, two weeks in. So we got some people two and zero, some people one and one, and then you got some poor saps that are that are zero too two. I happen to be one of those poor saps that are zero two right now. Um, the the running back struggle has been an issue across the league. The Jonathan Taylor's, the Christian McCaffrey's, the the Derrick Henry's, the Joe Mixit's, um, these guys that are surefire animals that are not surefiring and definitely not playing animals. Um, but you know, so we'll, hey, we'll go through it. Um, so of course, your Arts, you your Jalen Hurts, your Justin Herberts if he plays, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Josh Allen's, of course, you know, if, if you don't know him by now, just do yourself a favor and, uh, uh, you know, stop doing it. Uh, some of your stronger starts though. Uh, so I definitely think that Matt Stafford and the Rams going to Arizona, uh, is going to be a fun time. Uh, the Cardinals overachieved a little against the Raiders, but they're just still an overall weak defense. And I think that with Matt Safford and his, his primo targets, I think that uh, he's going to have a field day. I definitely think that uh, Justin Fields is – I think he's on the radar right now. Uh, I think that he's definitely going to have himself a, uh, a good time against the Houston Texans. Uh, Kirk Cousins I definitely think is going to have a, a hard bounce back. Um, a, it's not a prime time game, and B, he's playing Detroit – so I think all will all will be okay. Uh, Detroit just has an outright terrible pass defense. Him and Justin Jefferson are going to have themselves a wild time. Uh, and then Marcus Mariota from the Falcons uh, going against the uh, at the Seahawks. That that twelfth man I think has has officially left the building. The thing is is that Marcus Mariota uh, the knowledge that he has of the offense and figuring out how to produce. Uh, even without Kyle Pitts not doing as much, I think that he's going to be able to have a great game. And you look for a lot of sneaky production from him. Some of your DFS uh, FanDuel DraftKings, definitely Kirk Cousins. You're going to be able to buy him pretty cheap. Uh, and then Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan, he's going to have in, in a DraftKings format, you're going to be able to pick him up for cheap against Kansas City. Um, because it's going to turn into a shootout, I think that that's going to, uh, uh, it's going to allow Matt Ryan to throw for a lot of yardage. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, some of your weaker starters, uh, I think that Russell Wilson is going to put him on the seat uh, on the bench this week. The 49ers are familiar with how he plays. Uh, it's going to be a very physical game. And uh, I think that this, this is going to be another situation where uh, he's just not going to perform well. Uh, Jameis Winston, James Winston has this thing where he has a bad game. He just doesn't have a single bad game, he has multiple bad games. So stand by on that one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers coming down to Tampa Bay. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Aaron Rodgers has an offensive line issue and he has a receiving core issue, Um, and he's going to be playing a red-hot Tampa Bay defense, so watch out for that. Uh, I definitely think Tua is not going to have the game that he had last week against Buffalo's defense. Um, That's going to actually be a very fun game to watch, so uh, definitely stand by on that. I think Trevor Lawrence, as well as he played last week, uh, he definitely got to shred the commanders and the Colts early in the season, build up that confidence, but you're on a long road trip. You're playing in LA against the Chargers at home. I think that ends up for a very tricky and slippery slope. Uh, moving forward into your running backs, again, your Nick Chubb, Derek Hendricks, your Austin Ecklers, these are your must-starts, I think, that you definitely need to, to pay attention to. But some of your stronger starters are going to be Miles Sanders uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles against the Washington Commanders. Uh, the commanders are just wilting on defense. They are just – they they are a dying flower uh, just waiting to be stepped on. Uh, Cordell Patterson uh, from the Atlanta Falcons playing in Seattle. Again, I still think that uh, – I, I think the Falcons, this is a game that they should win. 100% they should win this game. Uh, I think uh, CEH from the Kansas City Chiefs in uh, and Indy, you know, if, if you're – He's going to be a very reliable RB2 this week. Indianapolis is struggling against the run defense, and I think CEH is going to have himself a good time. Um, I think that Damian Pierce uh, from the Houston Texans is going to be a very strong game against Chicago. Pierce is going to get uh, the volume correction, and I think that this is going to be his breakout game against the the Bears. Um, I think that Brees Hall is going to have a fun time as a very promising RB2 starter against the Cincinnati defense that is showing a lot of weakness. I don't know where they're at, but will the real Cincinnati please stand up uh, because Brees Hall is going to definitely push you guys back down. Uh, even though that I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a hard time against the the, the Chargers, I think that uh, Travis NCN Jr. is going to have the best avenue. Um, be, they're going to be in a tight spot passing the ball, so I think they're going to try to, to hold the rock and, and definitely move it. And I think they're going to have a good time with it. Uh, for your DFS, DraftKings, uh, and, any of those guys, I think that uh, Dalvin Cook, you would be able to get him up, turn him aside for less than eight thousand dollars. He's just overdue for a big game, and I think the Lions' defense is going to allow him to have that big game. Same thing uh, with Joe Mixon. The Jets did allow, like you said, yeah. I mean, they gave Chubb three rushing TDs. I think Joe Mixon has that potential as well. Um, I definitely think that. Um, it's going to be an overcorrection that take some of the pressure off Burrow, run the rock, get it moving. That opens up the play action. So I think Joe Mixon will be a, a definitely a solid one. Some of your weaker starters uh, that you might want to take a look at uh, Josh Jacobs against Tennessee, Tennessee does have a pretty solid run defense, but I think that uh, the, the Raiders are also going to try to get more airborne against Tennessee because their secondary is not as strong either. So I think Josh Jacobs is going to have limited production. Uh, I think that uh, Damian Harris is going to have a hard time. Uh, his knee, he should be fine to play, but New England's rushing attack is definitely overwhelming, uh, and it's going to put Baltimore in a tough spot. Devin Singletary is is the 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 Miami Dolphins traditionally have always had a really good run defense. So, and especially with how pass happy that that Josh Allen has become, uh, I think that Devin Singletary is going to see limited production run, and Cam Akers. Um, I just I don't know. I don't I don't feel confident in him. Uh I just he's he's still in my doghouse. I don't see him doing doing hardcore against uh against Arizona. Uh some of your th- week three wide receivers, your your Cooper Cups, your Justin Jeffersons, you just it, it, those are your common starters, you should know them. Some of your stronger ones. So now I, I like I'm speaking heavily you know, Lidarius must love me right now because I'm I'm speaking hard on his Falcons. I think Drake London. Uh, he's going to explain why he's the number one receiver. And I think that Seattle is the perfect reason why. You have Kyle Pitts, who's in the the season two struggles, and you have a Drake London who can come in season one. Take kind of that load off of Kyle Pitts and and really get out and go do some damage. I think that Allen Robinson uh, from the Rams is going to have himself a very uh, uh, end zone happy game. The reason why they're going to put – uh, Cooper Cup and max coverage and Allen Robinson is going to do his thing. He's going to slide under. He's going to have himself quite the game. Um, I think that uh, Amari Cooper is going to reestablish himself as a number one wideout um, against a, a limited pass defense uh, from from Pittsburgh. And I think that with Jacoby Brissett, Amari Cooper is really his only option uh, about this. I think that Devonta Smith is going to have himself a hell of a game against Washington uh, he definitely came alive last week, and I think that they're going to have a hard time. The commanders will just have a hard time covering him. He's fast, he's agile, and same situation. Uh, I definitely think that Garrett Wilson against the Bengals, he is definitely living up to that first-round talent standout. Uh, I think he's definitely emerging as the WR1 of the Jets organization, and I think considering that like Cincinnati's been on defense, he's going to have himself quite the uh, quite the game. Uh, former Falcon, current Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Russell Gay. Um, I think right now, considering that Chris Godwin is injured and that Mike Evans is in timeout for uh, for going family guy on uh, on Lattimore, uh, I think he is Tom Brady's absolute best option. Expect him just to get a ton of, of looks. Uh, on the opposite side of the ball, I think Alan Lazard is going to have a good game. Uh, I think that he is Aaron Rodgers' best option. It's going to be a tough matchup. There's not going to be a lot of run. From the Packers, so I definitely think that uh, that he's going to go on on an air raid offense, and Lazard is going to be the, uh, uh, the the heads up on that. And of course, Justin Jefferson. I think with the the the, the Monday night blues, I think he's going to come back and just have an outright awesome game against the Lions because, well, Kirk Cousins isn't playing under the lights. Uh, some of your DraftKings, I think, they'll be pretty pretty cheap to pick up Chris O'Leavy, uh from the New Orleans Saints of Carolina. Uh, Darnell Mooney from the Chicago Bears playing Houston. I think both of those are going to be quick, easy pickups. Also Brandon Cooks from the Houston Texans will be another uh, pretty cheap and ineffective one to pick up. Uh, Some of your weaker starts, Uh, Jerry Judy from the Broncos, uh, bad shoulder plus a bad matchup plus Russell Wilson. Um, Be like uh, Mrs. Reagan and say no to – not say no to drugs, but say no to Jerry Judy this week. Uh, I think that Jarvis Landry – He's going to have himself a situation where you might want to put him on the bench, maybe pick up Chris uh, on He's on the rise, and I think that that's going to be Jameis Winston's uh, last look is going to be Jarvis Landry. Uh, DK Metcalf, he's frustrated, uh, and I, I, I don't think he wants to be in that organization anymore. Um, Adam Thielen, just because you know the matchup says yes, but the usage report says no. I think Justin Jefferson is going to get a lot of looks. Uh, same thing uh, with Chase Claypool on the Pittsburgh Steelers against Cleveland. Um, I, I think they just need to move to Kenny Pickett on, on the starting quarterback situation. Um, and I think that uh, another, another hard no for this week is going to be uh, Robbie Anderson. I think that with, against Dennis Allen's coverage, it's going to be a rough one. Uh, finishing up on tight ends, I think that, of course, your must arts your Travis Kelsey's, you know, so on and so forth. So we're a stronger start is going to be Pat Fryermuth, uh from Pittsburgh uh, against Cleveland. Uh, I think that uh, until Pickett steps in and Mitch Trubisky steps down, uh, Fryermuth is going to be a very high. So if you see that Trubisky gets to start, make sure you put uh, Pat Fryermuth in. Zacherts it's against the Rams. The Rams are not good at at covering tight ends. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, the Cardinals are not also good at covering tight ends. So Tyler Harsby is going to be a solid one. Um, of course, Austin Knox going against Miami. Logan Thomas, um, he is just Carson Wentz's go-to guy right now. I think um, your DFS, uh, DraftKings type, you're gonna be able to buy Kyle Pitts for pretty cheap. Um, I think that he's going to have a better game against Seattle. Some of your weaker starts definitely. T.J. Hopkinson from the Lions going against Minnesota. Evan Inger from the Jaguars going against the Chargers. Uh, Taysom Hill going against Carolina. Uh, and then pretty much any Browns or Vikings tight ends you have right now, just go ahead and set them. Um, that's what I got for fantasy. Hopefully you guys can keep trying to catch some dubs. Because uh, if you're playing me, I hope you lose. And uh, that's all I got.
0: Well, you know, speaking of playing, I think we play each other in one of our uh, in one of the leagues this week, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think we the sleeper leagues, I believe. I believe we do.
1: Yeah, 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 we, yeah, we 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 got a head-to-head match, so let's see how this turns out.
0: Well, you know, I I feel good. Do I feel confident? Yeah. That's different than great. So
1: I'm I'm, I'm in I'm, I'm up to the with us power right now. I think.
0: Yeah, but you know, I, I think to your point, I think you alluded to, and I'll say this before we before we wrap up. I, I think early on, like I like I mentioned before, the transitioning into to your segment, it, it, when you look around the league. This is why my drafts, what I will say is, and I'll just be quick, it's why, it's why I avoid running drafts running backs early in the first round. What I will say is that. But what I will say is this, and we'll wrap up the show. Social media, at Sports World, Twitter, all that, Twitter and Instagram, follow me at Sports you know, follow me at Ladarius underscore Brown. Twitter, TikTok, at Ladarius Double just go around Instagram and all that. But, Chris, you know, MMA Twitter, wherever.
1: It's an MMA fake Twitter. UFC fake Twitter.
0: Yeah. I'll let him say it. It Makes the show go by (laughs) that. But until you hear us again next time, I'm darius I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See you.